friends, welcome to the dimension of our midnight cake. I'm Soltis. This week, Doug was kind enough to invite all of us to transmit from his home dimension, so Lomador and I made the journey. Beaches was unable to travel, but joins us from the Nexus. Since Beaches is a huge Masters of the Universe fan, we thought it would be fun to talk about the controversial new series on Netflix by Kevin Smith. Produced by Powerhouse Studios, Masters of the Universe Revelations is a direct sequel to the 1983 He-Man and the Masters of the Universe animated TV series. With a beautiful musical score by Bear McCreary and featuring the superb vocal talents of Chris Wood as Prince Adam or He-Man, Mark Hamill Skeletor, Liam Cunningham, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Lena Headley, Diedrich Bader, Alicia Silverstone, Stephen Root, Griffin Newman, Susan Eisenberg, Kevin Michael Richardson, Kevin Conroy, Henry Rollins, Jason Mewes, Alan Oppenheimer, Justin Long, Tony Todd, Phil Lamar, Chris Summer, Harley Quinn Smith, Tiffany Smith, Dennis Haysbert, Adam Gifford, and Jay Taver. Masters of the Universe Revelations was set to be a surefire win, so why is there such a strong backlash? Masters of the Universe Revelation. Um, I love this. I like it. It's, uh, uh, maybe I, after the last couple of things, you know, the Space Jam, the the fear streets uh mortal combat uh, <laughs> I, I just really needed something <laughs> to like but i i personally enjoyed this i like what I, I had seen of it so far i only made it through the first episode oh well i mean that was a good one the first one's a good one to watch yeah i didn't want to start at the end and watch them back then. yeah it'd be a little strange <laughs> You'd be very confused. It's how I read a book, but you can't exactly do that with the TV show. <laughs> Honestly, if if they were just setting out to say, "Hey, the original series never got a proper ending," and they did the first episode, that'd be pretty good. I mean, I might go with a slight correction that you know, obviously, there's a continuation there to another episode. But uh, if they said like, "Okay, yes, He Man, you know, He Man dies, but he, he's headed to Paternia." And uh, Eternia is safe now. But, uh, it, uh, the first episode would have made for a pretty good ending. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is some of what I heard, I think, in the months leading up to this, was that part of what they wanted to do was give uh, give us that ending, that uh, <laughs> that climactic battle that Masters of the Universe never had. Mm -hmm. Because of all of the poor animation. Oh, my goodness. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> they, so well, they you, just, you watch the original show? Yes, we all they, did. They, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, you know, like I said, uh, you, you all know uh, Ninja Turtles is my one true love from childhood. But there were a couple of years before that <laughs> where I had to fill with, you know, the likes of uh, Scooby-Doo, Ghostbusters, and, and He-Man. <laughs> I, I watched the old cartoon, but I was never a huge He-Man fan. Um, I wouldn't call myself a super fan either. It was it was kind of a vapid kind of show. I mean, it was to tell it was just to sell toys, right? So, yeah, that's I mean, why it was, it was like the worst was animation. Create a toy lawn. Create a show to sell a toy lawn, much like a lot of stuff of that time, turtles and other properties. And yes. Yet, yeah. yet there's something strangely endearing about it. I don't know what it is, but there is. So I'm I'm not entirely versed in the lore or the characters. I don't know who the characters are, but I, I don't know all their backstories or or anything like that, or how 
how this new series affects what was established previously? I'd say it feels closest to the Filmation series from uh, 83. It tweaks, it tweaks a little bit. It takes things from different versions. I think when they called it a sequel to that, that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah, as I understand it, it was established as a direct sequel to the 83 series and ignoring everything else that has happened in between. In between. Is that, mm. am I right on thinking that? That's um, yes, yeah. yes, you don't. You, you don't get anything but hints from, say, like the 2002 series um, or the, the live action film. But they do they do make uh, they do uh, hint at things from those. Oh, OK. And, I, and the I comics. Was, I, I was really looking forward to talking about this with you because it, you know, maybe there is something that I'm missing or that I oh. don't understand <laughs> being outside of the loop. But I did not like this at all. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't. And you, and you only saw the first episode. I I made it partway through the second episode where okay. uh, where the sorceress and Evil Lynn come to Tila, asking her to help save all of existence, and she tells them to piss off. And then I was done. <laughs> like, Oops. Um, I don't have time for this. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to go cut my hair. You guys yeah. deal with that. Let's talk about the the leading up to the release of the series. Okay. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I know there's a lot of, the, the show's getting a lot of crap about that. Um, maybe more so than the actual content of the show. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, it was Clownfish TV that had an insider that they just, just they sent a tweet out, just had some questions about the show. Like uh, yeah. if, if He-Man was going to be sidelined and um, it'll focus on Tila and some, some other things like, uh, I, I don't remember what exactly, but, uh, but Kevin Smith responded to them directly emphatically saying that, that it's not, that He-Man is not going to get sidelined, but you know, not, not to worry. <laughs> and that's yeah. part yeah. of Kevin where Smith. The, the, con the controversy starts. For a long time now has made his living off of talking and probably should learn when to stop. <laughs> Much like my children. He, he should know just to not comment on rumors like this, but um, he said, no, that's not the truth. And people have said he's lied about that now. I, I would call that semantics. I, I think- um, hey, Step aside if you're dead. No, he's not being that, he's being murdered. That's totally dead. Yeah. Well, there was something where he came out and argued, you know, against the, you know, I, I wasn't lying because uh, what did he say? Um, is, is this a, from a certain point of view kind of thing? He, <laughs> well, he, he said that it, he wasn't stepping aside. He was, he was sacrificing himself to save Eternium. So I get, he doesn't feel like, um, this is He-Man stepping aside. This was just a natural, you know, I don't know, thing for the character. Eternia was in danger. He did what he could, and it killed him. Also killed Skeletor, sort of. It, it seems like like it was a misrepresentation of what the show is going to be about. With mm -hmm. with, with the like the the poster is is righteously awesome, fantastic to look at. Yeah. The, the yes. With um, oh, uh, waiting on a hero. You know, <laughs> yeah, that. that was really cool. Really and I, I got, I got really jazzed and even the, this thing. I, I love the the intro that they had for the show, where it's 
hinting at some of the old toys and it's it's these like Frank Frazetta like illustrations kind of going through a, a view of those and um is it, that to me was just amazing to uh, set up for the show and and the first episode itself I think it started off really well and I was I was really looking forward to this and and then after their climactic battle and they get back and they're reporting the events it it sort of self-destructs for me. Man of Arms gets banished because he was following Prince Adam's directives. Yeah. Never mind saving Eternia or decades of loyal service. He's he's out. Tila goes on this uh, on this temper tantrum about being left out of the loop and being deceived, and so so she quits everybody and goes off to be a mercenary or whatever and then so i thought i thought randor's reaction you know was a bit extreme although it was based in i guess losing a child you know i kind of got tila's reaction because watching the original series i always thought it was kind of messed up that she was the one left out (laughs) and i can understand that but like her reaction to them losing their only son and you know, having sacrificed himself for the good of all of creation, saving them all, is that it's all about me and and you deceived me, so I'm out. Ne- never mind, he was uh, captain of the guard, promoted to man at arms, taking over for her foster dad or mm-hmm. uh, whatever, and then you know she, she's supposed to be a leader and an, an experienced soldier, and she's supposed to understand these kinds of things. It was not all about that. Okay, she is hurt at the uh, the deception, but she also, you know, just lost her best friend. No, with the promotion to Man of Arms, does she already- and and she they do address that eventually in the show. Yeah. Be good. The what? Oh, Wonderdor <laughs> <laughs> just I, had a just had a. I asked if with the ridiculous promotion, question with the promotion to Man at Arms, if she automatically got her father's mustache as well. They put a fake mustache on her. That that is a that's no that yeah that's a decoration of the title. Yeah. Like instead, of, <laughs> instead instead of knighting the yeah. sword, they just take a mustache and stick it yeah. on. There you go. Now oh, that man. one, I, I, love the I show. Don't think it has a righteous mustache. Yeah, <laughs> it was the original man at arms figure that didn't have the mustache, and then yeah. they yeah yeah he he got that uh, it's a, that distinguish. And... Well, he's, not, he's got to have a stash. He's just one of my kids. The, he's just missing the, uh, the pipe. He just needs a pipe. One of my kids got a, one of the little uh, mini sets that came in the Castle Gray Skull, and um, he got the Man at Arms figure, and he didn't have the mustache. And he he keeps going on about like, where's this guy's mustache? He looks so weird. <laughs> so they do address that later in the the five episodes we got. And, and that, that's another thing, is that we're just seeing the first half of the show here, that it's not just the deception, but also the loss of her friend. Okay, that's something else that has bothered me, is that they split up the first season into two parts. Uh, yeah, I feel like they should have waited. They should have waited and released it all together. Yeah. That or re- release them like once a week. Especially because I loved it, now I can't wait to see the rest of it. <laughs> It's another thing for me to be anxious about. I've been staring at the action figures online since Friday. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I, I didn't know you were local. Like you need me to pick you up some. Yeah. Overall, <laughs> overall, I enjoyed it too. I'm just like, if you see a battle cat, okay. <laughs> yeah, just get one of those. <laughs> I will say for me, like the transformation into from Prince Eric into to Adam. Prince Adam. I keep saying the wrong thing. This isn't Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, it is not. <laughs> the transformation from Prince Adam to He-Man was weird to me, where he went from kind of scrawly, scrawny, girly dude into like super muscly. They took that from the 2002 show. That was yeah. an update they made to the 2002 yeah. show was that uh, it was kind of ridiculous to have Prince Adam who looked exactly like him. <laughs> Yeah, and that just, was, just with less clothes. Less, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, so that was a weird. I don't recognize him anymore. It's like, and that's something I've said is that, you know, it is kind of crazy for Tilly to be angry that she couldn't figure out that the blonde dude with a green cat was the blonde dude with a green cat. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those uh, Superman conceits, I guess. It was really the personality mm-hmm. change in the cat that that threw her for a loop. Yeah, there you more go. Than anything. Well, one note I have from the first episode is uh, Duncan saying to Cringer, uh, take it from someone who's seen battle. Like, Cringer's never been in a fight. Yeah, he said, he, <laughs> that guy like, literally gets conscripted into every fight that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that this show, this show wasn't too woke to uh, include that. <laughs> like, we didn't go, no, that's cruelty to animals to, to rope him into this when he He's clearly unwilling. He even ran away this time. Yeah. And He-Man's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was something that has always bothered me is that if, especially considering what we know now about the Castle Grayskull and its place as probably the most strategically significant location in all of existence for, for this universe. And they only have the sorceress that guards it. Yeah. And then, you know, whenever He-Man can get there, they figure that they'd want more, more people, you know, to be a little bit, <laughs> a little tighter security around there. They put up in a lock uh, or something. That yeah. was something I had. It was weird that um, they felt like they needed to disguise the Hall of Wisdom when um, it's not like people don't know Grayskull is this significant thing and they're always attacking it. What's the point of the disguise? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, every bad guy in the land knows that there's something important about Grayskull. And Skeletor um, being Skeletor is going to go after it. He's like, if there's a skull on it, it attracts him to it more. Their yeah. plan backfires. I, I like the goofy line where um, uh, Orko's trapped Cringer in the bubble, and he's like, does anyone have the power to save him? And Adam shows up with the pin and says, I have the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> those, those lines were annoying me so much. Somewhat, <laughs> but but them. they're just like He Man. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say it. It is very much like He Man. Uh-huh. The only thing that really bothered I was I was talking to um, Soltis, but it it really bought, I noticed this like glitch with the uh, the speech patterns and their like their mouth and trying to say the words not lining up with uh, what they were saying. Like their mouths were moving too fast for the dialogue. And it really bothered me. I don't know if anybody. And this? Yeah, I don't know if anybody else noticed that, or if I'm just. Like, I I didn't, and I watched the show two times through. I was like, maybe it was your Netflix. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, that's, that's I, I didn't notice a, a problem with that. 
but I, I love the style of like the backgrounds and the update of the the characters and how they look and all the um sound effects and the music especially the music i thought the, I music, thought the music was perfect yeah very oh well. the music was solid yeah there, there were things that I, I did enjoy. Music was one of them. I think that the animation studio did a fantastic job with the animation and the character designs. Yep. They had done the Netflix's uh, Castlevania series, right? They, oh, they have. Yeah, they oh, okay. I was wondering about that. Who actually does it? Now, I like the title cards for each episode, too. Like, that's a very 80s card. Yes. Like, just still painting with the title on top. Yeah. You know, they hit all those kinds of notes. That One thing. I, I'm not sure how official this is, but I've seen a list of the second uh, half episode titles, and the tenth one, I believe, was called uh, "Everything You See Here Included." <laughs> nice, Doug. You mentioned earlier that uh, I think uh, his name's Alan Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, was pl- the original Skeletor was playing Mossman in this, so we did get a nice moment in that first episode of the. New Skeletor versus the old no, Skeletor. I had no idea too, because like Mossman's like, uh, yeah. oh, he doesn't poker, you know. <laughs> uh, this is not a knock to uh, Mark Hamill, but Mark Hamill Skeletor is pretty much just Joker. It's a lot like Joker, yes. Whereas Alan Oppenheimer, you would have never known. I know. I had no idea. I did love that scene between the two of them, though, where he like just sets him on fire. He uh, just fries uh, him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I definitely um. I definitely wanted more Skeletor out of this series. That was yeah. that was a disappointing thing about. Did you, did you get through the whole thing? I watched it all. Yeah. So as okay. he not sidelined, but didn't really appear in many of the episodes. Which yeah. Yeah. Sidelining. So also happened to Skeletor, and I was disappointed by that because I wanted my Mark Hamill chewing. I've stuff. I've heard we're gonna get more. I mean, obviously, we're going to get more in the second half. Yeah. 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 Skeletor is the master of the universe. He would have to be included somewhat. The the voice actors, though, I I, I think Duncan might have been my favorite just because I'm in the guy from Liam Cunningham, I thought was just perfect. Cringer has always been my favorite. I loved it. Stephen Root. Amazing. You know, even I saw Orko was, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. It's the guy that was Arthur in the new tick. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah, I'm blanking on his. I'm blanking I on his name. And Lena Headey is per- perfect as Evil Lynn. I mean, the the voice. I was sort of grouping these into like Batman actors, um, yeah. known actors, yeah, and Kevin, uh, Kevin Conroy, Kevin, Kevin's cohorts, <laughs> yeah. and the guy who plays Arthur does a like a, I, I think a show with him. Oh no way! Okay. Yeah. So that's that's I think where he came in. Yeah, like everything surrounding. Like, you know, the art style, the music, the casting of the voice actors, like all that I thought was the, strong in the, the right production, choices. I think yeah, was, the production, was that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I thought all that was excellent. And overall, you know, that some of the story elements of like, they're bringing in like the cult of technology, the technology, <laughs> like some of that I thought was actually pretty, I did not expect that out of this show. I did like suddenly Triclops of all people is like the this, yeah. uh, doomsday cult priest yeah it's like there's this, <laughs> this void of power with skeletor being gone so you have people like him being opportunists and trying to seize the position or someone like beastman suddenly will fight alongside the good guys you know it, it that's one it did thing. create some interesting things even though i wanted more more of my marketing that i've liked about the new um Thundercats Go series as well. I know it's one not everybody likes. I love that show. But it's <laughs> it's one that uh, <laughs> Mom Ra isn't the main threat the whole time throughout the show. There's all these things that tie into the original show 
and you know like the mutants take over and are kind of leaders or the lead villains at one point and then it's somebody else and it's it's a lot of this back and forth which provides a lot of interesting uh, situations for the story mm-hmm. to go in different directions oh here it is. i knew i'd made a note about this okay so obviously tila seems unreasonably angry but i i really thought randor uh king randor was the most unreasonable because he's ang- you know he, he ends up angry because his son ends up being everything he'd always hoped it would be he didn't know that his son was he man either yeah <laughs> he should have just been like Mar- marlena i know <laughs> marlena was alicia silverstone yes oh a previous batgirl not anyone's favorite batgirl i think but yeah, it's all it's Batman all over. We're gonna find all the Batman. <laughs> That's actually, the next part of the movie, Batman all over. There's there's been so many <laughs> there's been so many Batman various incarnations at every actor now. It's like it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon almost or something. Yeah, Stinkor Stinkor from the second episode was uh, Jason Mewes. Jason Mewes, yeah. I was wondering, of course, oh, of course he was gonna be in it somewhere. Uh, yeah, Griffin Newman it was Orca. Okay. Yeah, there, ah, yeah that's that was his name. name. Griffin Newman. I was blanking on his name. Justin Long as Roboto. Oh yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, I like Justin Long. He's hilarious. Yeah, uh, Harley Quinn Smith also in this as Eilina for one episode. Phil Lamar as Hero. <laughs> ah, some Samurai Jack. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, you're in good hands with Allstate. Guy was uh, <laughs> King, King Grayskull. Well, he was King Grayskull. Yeah. He was the president in 24. And he was also a, an FBI agent. In, I can't remember his name again. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, there we go. Oh, yeah. Very, I liked, very I liked iconic those, voice. I liked the moments like that, too, where like you got to see past champions. You sort of saw some of Eternia outside of He-Man. That was, that was nice to see. I don't know if the other series did that. I never watched any of them. But I like seeing like... I'm not sure that you had seen any of those in the previous shows. I think at least one of them was from, I, I, it was either uh, Hero, maybe, mm. was supposed to be part of a planned He-Man spinoff that never happened. Oh, okay. That's cool. Okay, so sort of a nod to that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But I like Of that- course, you, you got, you've gotten a number of figures of him, but <laughs> that's not a requirement. Being in the show isn't a requirement of uh, having an action figure. And, and maybe it's just because I haven't watched He-Man in so long, but, you know, like I say, the original show had no aspect of any kind of depth like that. Well, Andra, the, the new female character, had just made, I think, maybe a couple of appearances in some He-Man comics. In the comic? Okay, I thought so. She becomes your typical introduce you to the show character then whenever it's like it's all. Yeah, yeah. After really liking the first episode, I was ready to be like, okay, here's the part where Tila takes over and I may not like this as much. Um, and for the second episode, I kind of, I didn't enjoy it as much because you really, you had now uh, not just uh, a Tila with a very different attitude, but unrecognizable, you know, visually, they changed her look completely. And you had her and this Andre character who I'm, I'm betting most people weren't familiar with so uh, the second episode suddenly became the adventures of two brand new characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it picked up more steam when you got like that closing story arc where they were all together. Yeah. Yeah. Episodes. That's a good point. Well, 
once you got to yeah where they're like oh oh we're already going to get to man at arms yeah okay and, I, and i'm not opposed to introductions of new characters or or trying to tell new stories or do something new with with what's been established i think that my main dislike for and and subsequently why i will probably not watch anything else uh with this is is i do not like tila's character I, I don't think that she is interesting. I don't think that she's a good character. From what I understand of the original series, she was very much a a noble person as far as as far as someone who can be counted on to do the right thing. Yeah, but all of the good guys she were. A, she she had a, a short temper, um, kind of a which would get her into trouble. I I think, but. Definitely. She was very headstrong. But she was someone that you could depend on and someone who, who would do the right thing. I, I don't care about this character. It's such a an ego trip that she is on, especially with, as I understand it, um, she has to confront her biggest fear and her biggest fear is being too awesome and powerful and how she's going to deal with that. That's also Hulk, Hulk Hogan's biggest fear. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and that 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 is a a boring and poorly written character. Okay, so which which particular part? Which one are you talking about? When she's in the underworld and she has to confront her greatest fear. Yes, and it's that she's um, special and powerful, basically. And that she's and that she's so awesome and radical. That no, well, no, okay. it's uh, the way I interpreted it was that uh, she's afraid of this grand destiny and that's not her that's not her ego she really is she's i guess like next in line to be the sorceress was what was the idea you always got from the original series the sorceress was her mother and she was next in line for that uh, responsibility and although she doesn't there's an episode in the original series where she finds all this out she seeks out the information she finds it out and uh, but the sorceress, you know, didn't want her to know that because she thought it would affect her uh, presence. So she wipes her memory. And I guess, you know, saying that the series is kind of coming off from that, you could say that, you know, somewhere in her mind, she does know this still, even if not consciously. And I kind of think knowing knowing that that's. Uh, because there are definite hints that uh, she, you know, I think people have been afraid that uh, she's going to get the sword and be sort of the new He-Man character. That's so I, 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 I too when I when I saw that episode, I was like, oh, uh-huh. have her be the next champion. Like, because in the in in the fifth episode, there's this, this moment. Like, you know, I was confused by it. In the fifth episode, there's this moment where, um, you know, they've met up with Adam in Paternia. He's enjoying his, you know, reward. Basically, Paternia is like uh, attorney in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's up there with all the previous champions uh, who have protected Eternia. And uh, there's this moment where he's he wants to go with them back to Eternia because he's like, you know, who's going to wield the sword? And is it Grayskull, I think, who says, you know, there were champions before you and there will be champions after you. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure at that moment, like, oh, OK, so this is where we handed off to Tila officially. Oh, I was just saying that it would be really, really crappy to sacrifice yourself for all of Eternia. And then, you know, you come back and then you get stabbed by Skeletor and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> No, not again. It's, it's like I could hear the sad trombone at that moment. <laughs> 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 Didn't look behind you. 
and I'm, I'm not opposed to killing off main characters. I think that that can be a fantastic way to get a story going. And in the first episode, when when, happened, when the sacrifice took place, you know, after their main battle, and like even in the beginning, when He Man runs Skeletor through the sword, like, oh crap! Okay, this is this is this is happening. <laughs> you know? Then you realize, in an unusually, you know, ridiculously clever turn. Skeletor has really kind of tricked him into doing this. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which I yeah. love that. Like, he's, like, he's planned all this out. Like, hey, sucker, you just... I'm, because <laughs> He-Man really, usually, it's his thing. He's in, he, he doesn't really hurt people unnecessarily. So to run someone through with his sword is pretty serious. But but Skeletor literally just murdered uh, Mossman. I, I didn't really know who Mossman was or what his role in the series was is he along the lines of a of a swamp thing where it kind of the, the personification yeah yeah planet yeah yeah he's like a personification of the forest i think he was saying something definitely like for those of you that got this far when um evelyn meets up with the sorceress why was the havoc staff a chalice I'm not sure what you're asking. I have no idea. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Who, who saw all of this? I have episode? no good fan theory for you on that. I feel like that more than anything in this show was kind of just filler. <laughs> I guess if she had been like, go retrieve the head of the Havoc staff for me, that would have been too obvious. And then I, I had the same reaction the first time because they explained that when the men, when the magic was done with Eternia, Eternia would cease to exist. So when Tila says, I'm done with this, I'm like, you're done with existing? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> where Rocket is. Like, well, why would you want to save the galaxy? What has the galaxy done for you? Yeah. It's where I live, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Everything after this point, every time you know someone comes back and uh, like like when she fusses at Duncan for rescuing them. Saving so their lives. Like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I wanted to do something different. Why didn't you listen to me? Why'd you come I'm like, to my life? At this point, she just feels like she still has to punish everyone. <laughs> just like, geez, <laughs> like chill. No, or even like, she'd be understandably, I would think sad um, and angry and et cetera, but it doesn't mean she has to like abandon everybody just cause she's like, needs to like go through like a grief process or something, right? Maybe the rest I, of the I, could have been the stages of the grief process. Now that's a show. <laughs> I, I was not an, as enamored with the pairing of uh, Skeletor with Merman, you know, where you had uh, Mark yeah. Hamill and uh, Kevin Conroy together because Kevin Conroy was not doing a Merman voice. He was just talking. <laughs> Pretty much. And it just sounded like Joker and Batman. It kind of did. It kind of did. I like that they made fun of He-Man's puns. They flash back to He-Man and, and Tila uh, fighting Merman in the old days, and He-Man goes, "You're all wet." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, oh, I'm looking her name, Andra. Was that it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like a. Did he really say that? I thought that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, then, then they ended the here. sequence. They ended the Merman sequence with her making an equal pun. Yes. Um, when, when they finally get rid of Merman and she's like, that guy, there's something fishy about that guy. <laughs> uh, when Trapjaw took the saw to the face, I thought he was out. I was like, oh, they killed Trapjaw. Well, they killed Orko. I like, though, that when Trapjaw came back, he had clearly had to have surgery to his face. <laughs> it's a nice little bit of continuity there. 
And yes, they killed Orko. I'm still not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Mainly, I was like, this is not consistent with his character. He should never be able to do this kind of useful magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that they allowed uh, Beastman, one of the goofier of the uh, Skeletor cronies, to to have a moment and to save everybody. I mean, he's clearly he's just protecting Evil Lynn, but he he saves all the good guys in that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. In the underworld, he's he's really tossing people around and fighting too. While Cringer is traditionally my favorite character, I think Roboto was my favorite character in the show. <laughs> I thought Justin Long did a great job. There was a moment where they're in the uh, subterranea sub-ter- and they're fighting the shadow beast and he's got his lasers and every time he blasts one, he's like, pardon me, excuse me, you're <laughs> going to require medical attention. <laughs> I did think when he died reforging the sword that uh, three sacrificial deaths in five episodes was kind of pushing <laughs> <laughs> you do find out that literally no one except for Beastman really respected Skeletor. Yeah, pretty much. All of his henchmen just drop him in a moment. They're like, ah, his ego, you know, we wasted so much time. We're finally free. <laughs> <laughs> Scareglow. Scareglow was played by Tony Todd, Candyman. Oh, cool. I yeah. missed that. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love Tony Todd. He was, um, Worf's brother in Star Trek. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, a man. deep cut right there. <laughs> this episode's deep. I thought this I thought your backstory on the sorceress thing was gonna be the deep cut. No, no, it's Tony Todd is Worf's brother. That's Tony it. Todd. Yes, yes. One Worf's of my favorite one of my favorite uh, character actors there. I love the bit. Um they sort of cut off in groups in Subternia. They all have to, you know, meet certain challenges. Evil Lynn and Orko as the mages, I guess, get separated. They're not immediately challenged with anything and they have a little while to share a moment, you know. <laughs> And Orko decides to tell her that uh, Orko wasn't originally his name, that his parents called him Oracle, but as kids sometimes do, he can't pronounce things. So he he called himself Orko, and that's what they went with. And after telling the story about how, you know, he's ridiculous and can't do anything right, and she sort of, I don't know, she comforts him by saying some crap about magic. <laughs> <laughs> They bond. He he says, he says, can I ask you a personal question? She doesn't say yes or no. She just says, no, they didn't call me evil. I added that part myself. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been my favorite line. <laughs> that is fun writing. I, I like that. <laughs> the, the, stuff, the stuff with her, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed her character. Evelyn? Um, yeah, throughout this. They, you know, because like she's on the side of the good guys. She's like bonding with Orko. Like he said, you know, even at the end when she when she kind of goes back to Skeletor, she says, you know, I was I was starting to like you kids, you know, when she walks over there. It's like there's like just a little more depth to her character. And she looked cool there's, without helmet on, okay? There's another good line in that scene where uh, she's clearly run out of the the magic that was in her staff. She's, she's not got much going yet. And she's like, you know, can't you do something? And he says, unless shadows can slip on banana peel. which that's that's orco okay that's the orco i'll buy you know this this one that uh, saves the whole group with this ridiculous magic he's never used before (laughs) i i don't know about that (laughs) 
it was at this point toward the end of what are we at episode four yeah that's that's four i think and uh evil lynn is played by uh, game of thrones uh Lena Headley. yes yes she says uh do you know how to do you know how to find the other and it was the pronunciation of half they have the first half of the sword and she says do you know how to find the other half and i was like why is evil lynn british <laughs> <laughs> Because it sounds cool. I don't know. I guess so. It did sound. She she was fine. It took me that long to and that that specific pronunciation of half to uh to be like why why is she British now? Well, and do then, we have British attorneyans? Yeah. Well, and Liam Cunningham's like what Scottish or something, isn't he? Yep. Yep. A little bit. Duncan got that uh that Liam Neeson thing going on. <laughs> I noticed that actually. Yeah. <laughs> William Cunningham is Irish. Irish. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm in trouble. And another little <laughs> inconsistency the there. You'll have to edit that towards just Irish. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. As as soon oh, as they God. get there, Adam's like, oh, you're trapped here forever now. But then like two seconds later, he's like, I think I know a way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'll really get another moment where um She's briefly still angry at him, you know, like like I said, because she just has to punish everyone individually. <laughs> Were the funky hoverboard things they were flying on? Was that a nod to the movie? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I remember that. From the movie. Yeah. Oh my god! What is it with eighties movies and the weird flying things? Like Highlander Two has them randomly all over the place. You gotta have some sort of a hoverboard you in your have in like your a hoverboard. <laughs> I also think they're setting up the notion that it, you know. If uh, Adam goes back to Eternia and he dies, that he's it's it's all dogs go to heaven rules and he can never come back. <laughs> <laughs> all dogs go to heaven. Sorry, you ran out of lives. <laughs> that that's <laughs> that's all I remember about that movie is that you can never come back. <laughs> um, but there's the conversation between is it it's Adam and the Moss Man, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about his reward was to turn into a forest, and that was sort of metaphorical of your average Eternian. When they die, they go back to the dirt and essentially become a forest. I'm like, man, you guys need to work on your theology a bit. It's a little yeah, only only dirt. people like Orcos. Orco sacrifice wasn't even good enough. <laughs> Sorry, you, you have to literally spend 130 episodes defending Eternia. Uh, it took me to the second viewing to figure out that uh when when you had the the andra and beast man and roboto fighting the shadow beast that uh andra and beast man were seeing different things because she was like you know uh you got any tips for your friends here and he's like uh fire bats are no friends of mine (laughs) Because they they while they were fighting Shadow Beast, and that's what Roboto saw because he had no feelings um, until the end where he feels fear. He finally feels fear. That was messed up, right? Like super dark. <laughs> yeah, like like he's 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 so he says so, as, as my program ends, I feel fear, fear of death. I am a miracle. Yeah, he's like, I finally feel something. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> what a glorious way then, to die right and he just, just he seems to be and he, he dies, dies in down. like mid-sentence yeah it's mm-hmm. super dark <laughs> it really is yeah 
<laughs> the only emotion I've ever felt is fear. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, this is, he was like, this is cool. Um, do you remember the Star Trek generations when Data puts in the emotion ship and the yeah, first thing he does, they go to 10 forward and he tries out a drink and he's like, how is it? And he's like, this is revolting. And, and Guinan says, do you want some more? And he's like, please. <laughs> it's just like, uh, some more stuff about Skeletor, okay? When uh, when he comes back and he reveals that he's sort of uh, ca- kind of like a Sauron, he I guess he hit a bit of his spirit in um, yeah. Evil Lynn's staff, and unbeknownst to her, so it's not like she's been lying to everyone all this time. She did. She thought he was dead for good. He he reveals uh, what his plot was to her, and he says, and it sounds so much like Joker, maybe talking to Harley Quinn or something. He's like, "You did good, Lenny." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can imagine Mark Hamill at his most Joker saying this. <laughs> I like with when Andra, of all people, yells at Skeletor and she's like, What's wrong with you? He he walks up to her and and uh they're like, No, leave her alone. She's she got no part of this. And and uh Skeletor is like, uh, no, no, she asked a question. I'm gonna answer it. <laughs> and then the answer to what's wrong with him seems to have something to do with his face. He's like, this face, you know, meant no one would ever accept me as a man. I've never really understood that, right? What, like, where does, what is his origin exactly? He's just born, he was a skull face baby. I mean, what he was. I thought one part of the origin, like, he was, it had something to do with getting that staff and, like, it. Did it, did it warp him? Something ended up, like, burning off part of his face and just the skull remain. Am I incorrect in that? or am I, I, I seem to remember it's been a while since I've watched it. I need to pull out the DVDs. But in the 2002 series, he he was an average uh, blue-skinned dude. That's what I remember. Okay. He was kind, kind of a rival to King Randor before. And possibly an uncle to Prince Adam? I don't know where they get the blue uncle from. but Worst of all knowledge... Uh, it says that he was initially presented simply as just an evil demon from another dimension um, with you know, evil motives and as the greatest threat Eternia will ever face. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I like the, the 2002 treatment of him. I, I love the 2002 show. I've got a whole decent shelf full of figures. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the only thing keeping me from the uh, the new figures. I'm like, I've already got these, so. Yeah, so in, in 2002, Skeletor was revealed to have once been Keldor, a warlord who trained under Hordak. Gathered a small band of warriors to attack the Hall of Wisdom, where they encountered resistance from Captain Randor and his officers. In the which he was defeated and became Skeletor. <laughs> and yada yada, he has a skull. A terribly expressive skull. Toy line <laughs> terribly that. expressive skull. <laughs> yeah. I connected those dots into the toy line somehow with explaining some of the original figures or something like that with why they were the way they were. <laughs> oh, and, and like 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 the different creatures, not just that they're mm-hmm. that they're people, but yeah. okay. This is Eternia, where a lot of a lot of men have the same legs because you know, we molded those parts and we're going to use them. Russell <laughs> no, just wants to watch the 2002 show. Everyone is buffed by default because Everyone, that's what the mold says they are. <laughs> and we're going to use this cap from this other fell toy and just stick a saddle on him and there you go. Paint him green. Yep. That's green. actually the origin of, yes. Yes, of Battle Cat. <laughs> is that they had the cat. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> I remember seeing that somewhere. It was some on the toys that made us. Yeah, there you go. Which is uh, a great did one. you guys see? I think it was in that where they discussed that the guy claims he got the idea of from Skeletor because there was this uh, there was always the skeleton and like this haunted house thing at the carnival he would go to, and it freaked him out really bad. Like he always got a weird vibe about it, and he found out later that it was a real like dead body. <laughs> okay. Like they had actually hung like a real skeleton up in there. I don't think Skeletor has ever been known as like the 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 baddest of the bad people like him because he's a little ridiculous oh that's why i love oh, yeah. him yeah i i enjoyed the camps the he's got to be campy yes <laughs> i enjoy skeletor campy. on the same level as um oh i can't think of his name the the bad guy from bob dole yes, yes. <laughs> yes bob dole <laughs> i'm bob dole <laughs> 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 Um, it's like the same level of camp, and even like it feels like an homage uh, to Skeletor with his appearance and his his insane goofiness. <laughs> but I mean, like like Skeletor, as far as his character design goes, like it's it's a totally metal design. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. he looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly that heavy metal aesthetic. Yes, well, Be- beefy the- dudes and armor and swords and giant. With a skull face. (laughs) The Skeletor from the film is actually pretty good. Um, He was played by Frank Langella. Langella, yes. He's amazing in it. Who was way too good for that. He's way better. Oh, was that that, that, that line? (laughs) You promised me you wouldn't hurt them. I lied. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, so did Kevin Smith. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Thank you, and good night.